Praise the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. Lord, we love your word. We feast upon your word. Open the eyes of our hearts. Let us receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Right now this morning, as I shared with you last week, as we started this series, Looking for a Witness, last Sunday, I shared with you that constantly the the Lord's eyes are searching to and fro across the face of this earth. He is just looking and longing to find someone who is looking up so his eyes can catch our eyes. Because when our eyes catch the Lord's eyes, then everything changes. Look at your neighbor and say, everything changes. When you glimpse into the eyes of your Savior, there's something about those red-hot eyes that burn with fire, with an intense love that just forever changes you. No longer do you have to have a loudmouth preacher like me tell you you should be in church or that you should fast and pray. No, when your eyes meet the Lord, all of a sudden you just want to do that. Your life just changes. The things that you thought were okay to hang on to, even though they weren't probably things that would cause you to go to hell, all of a sudden now your heart of of affection towards him becomes more fonder, and now you don't want to do those things that you used to do. All you want to do now is open your Bible. All you want to do is pray. All you want to do is skip a meal because you just want to spend some more time, quality time with your Lord. The eyes of the Lord at this time... They're looking to and fro, searching across the earth, trying to find those whose heart is loyal towards him. I shared with you last week that the Lord has been speaking to my heart, and he's been saying over and over and over again, I'm looking for a witness. I'm looking for a witness. I'm looking for a witness. What he's saying is I'm looking for an available, loyal heart. I'm looking for a vessel that I can flow through and show myself strong through. Why is it so important, especially at this time? I shared with you last week. We don't have a lot of time left. If I was to bring the hourglass that I have in my office in here, where the sands of time are trickling through the narrow part of that glass into the wider part, you would see that there are very few granules of sand right now in what we call time. We as believers know that the next dispensation of God is going to be a time of judgment. But for us, it's going to be a time when we step out of time into eternity. How many are ready for that? If the Lord were to come today, if he was to come today, would you make the rapture? If the Lord was to come, would you be caught up in the air with him? But those who have died already before us, who have been quickened and we join with them and we meet the Lord in the air. It's something to think about. How would that change our lives if we knew that the Lord was coming yet this afternoon? Would we live differently? Would our affection towards him change? Father God sent forth a witness in John the Baptist to testify of his son on his first advent. We just celebrated Christmas And John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner. He was sent as a witness to again prepare the hearts of many for Jesus' soon return. 
And I told you that that is the assignment of this church. That's the vision of this church. We are called. What's put, been put on this house is an Elijah anointing, a John the Baptist anointing. Our assignment is to be a prepared people that are preparing others for Jesus. How can we prepare others for Jesus if we're not prepared ourselves? How can we convince somebody that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life if we're not convinced ourselves? How can we lead people through that narrow way to life if we are, by a way of lifestyle, abiding in the broad place? Jesus is saying, I'm looking for a witness. I'm looking for a loyal heart. He's not looking for perfection. There's not one of us that's perfect in this house. He wasn't looking for perfection when he came and he brought us into this loving relationship with him, you understand. For though our sins were red like scarlet, his blood has cleansed us and they've made, him, made us white as snow. He's acquitted us. He has said, they're not guilty. But how many of you know to whom much is given, much is required? And of them they ask the more. We were looking at Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus was talking about the things that were going to happen before he would come back. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, Jesus said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence. There'll be COVID-19 and the Delta vi uh, variant and the, and the Omicron vi uh, variant. And whom will, whom, who knows what other vi uh, variants are going to come? Can I tell you something? COVID-19 is not going away. But can I give you some good news? We don't have to learn to just cope with it. We can take authority over it. In Jesus' name, we can overcome that stupid COVID-19. Because let me tell you something. Vaccines and doctors and medication and home remedies and vitamins and everything else that we may do, they're not going to heal us. Only the great physician is going to heal us. Only Jesus is going to protect us. And we can try to do everything that we know to do, and we should, because we need to be good stewards of our body. I'm not saying don't take vitamins. I'm not saying don't exercise. I'm not saying no. we got to be good stewards of our bodies. And a lot of us, I hope we've made some, some uh, uh, resolutions, if you want to call it that, or some goals that say, you know what, this year I'm going to get in shape. This year I'm going to eat better. This year I'm going to sleep better. This year I'm not going to get stressed out. This year I'm going to spend time with God like I should be spending time with God so I'm not wore out. Sue said, we're not living in the same days we used to live in before, and she's absolutely right. Maybe you could get by with your level of commitment with the Lord yesterday, but today's not going to cut it, church. And I'm preaching to myself here, too. I'm not looking down at anybody and saying, shame on you. No, I'm not. The Spirit of the Lord is stirring in our hearts, and he's saying, come on, child. I'm looking for a witness. 
Will you be available? Will you be available that I can use you to show off my love and glory to the world? He's the Lord God. That's who he is. He will not share his glory with another is what Scripture says. We have to come to a place of complete surrender. Amen. Well, if that assignment and that calling and that anointing of John the Baptist is upon this house, which I truly believe it is because he's told us, be a prepared people that prepare people for my son's soon return. And then what was the message that John the Baptist brought? It was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. I've had people leave this church because they say, all you do is talk about repentance. All you do is talk about sin. You bring so much condemnation. I can't handle it. I can't. It's too much condemnation at, at your church. Can't you be more flowery? Can't you be more uplifting? Can't you be more encouraging? Can I tell you something? I'd love to be more encouraging and more flowery. I really would. But I have to do what the Lord has placed on my heart. When you understand the calling upon this ministry, you must understand that we're called to a different degree of accountability. And I'd be derelict in my duty if I didn't bring the messages the Lord wanted me to bring. It's not to bring condemnation on anybody, but it's to stir you. It's to stir me to move on with God. Because I'm telling you, all this stuff that we're seeing around us, and it's only going to intensify because Jesus told us that. Jesus told us that. He said that these famines, these pestilence, these earthquakes in various places, all these are beginnings of sorrows. And you know what? As I told you last week, they're going to continue to grow in intensity. We're going to see more and more of these things happening around us. Jesus said, but the end hasn't come yet. It's only when, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. See, that's the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ is the answer. He is. He is the answer to everything. And that's why all this stuff is happening and is going to continue to happen. How do you think this massive revival, how do you think this massive harvest of souls is going to come into the kingdom? People will never come into the kingdom if their life isn't threatened in some way. How many of you, even this past year, with what was facing you, it drove you to your knees in prayer a little bit more than what you did in 2020? The Lord's not the author of all this stuff, we know, but he uses these things to get our attention. But the number one sign of Christ's soon return, are you still there in Matthew 24? If not, turn there with me. The true witness of Christ's re return is Israel, as represented by the fig tree. Let's see, down to verse 32. Let's just read that. Jesus said this, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. 
So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Hmm. The fig tree always speaks prophetically of the nation of Israel. Israel is God's fig tree. Jesus is saying, in essence, this. There's coming a time, there's coming an hour, when I will forgive the rebellion of my children, the Jews. Their leaves shall bring forth. Their buds will begin to appear. And I will fulfill prophecy that I've spoken over them. I will bring them for the four corners of the earth, wherever they are, and I will, I will bring them back, and I will plant them, get this, plant them as an end-time witness. I'll bring them back to their own land. In Ezekiel chapter 36, 24, it says, For I will take you from among the nation, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Has not God done that? Hallelujah. We sang Randall this morning. I told you I was going to talk about the valley, the prophecy of the valley dry bones. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord to set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, many times when God speaks prophetically, he uses terms in a figurative sense, but I'm here to tell you, in this case, in a figurative sense to draw a picture, a, a story of what he's trying to communicate. But in this chapter, ch- chapter 37, God is not prophesying figuratively, but he's actually prophesying literally. In the spirit, the Lord brought Ezekiel through hundreds of years into the future and planted him literally in the valley of dry bones. So Ezekiel wrote what he literally saw that was going to be coming. He saw it in the spirit. And Ezekiel 37, verse 2, it says, Then he, speaking of God, caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were uh, very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. What the Lord allowed Ezekiel to see was the future where there'd be bones of six million Jews that were killed during the Holocaust under Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. It was reported that after the Jews were captured, they would be just beaten and tortured and then put into human incinerators where their flesh would just be burned up and all that would be left would be bones. They would take those bones then. They'd scrape them out of the incinerators. And they'd take big bulldozers and they would make big uh, hmm, tombs in the ground. And they'd put all those bones in there. In fact, Holocaust, the Greek origin of that word means sacrifice by fire. Amen. So God allowed Ezekiel to see this in the spirit. God said to him in Ezekiel 37, verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, only you know. (laughs) He asked Ezekiel, Do you think these bones can live? What would you say if God said, 
What do you think, son, daughter? All you see is death around you. All you see is destruction. All you see is sickness and disease. All you see is lack. All you see is, is chaos and fighting and contention. And in the midst of all of that, the Lord says, son or daughter, can this dead situation live? Ezekiel said, oh, Lord, only you know. <laughs> only you know. Can I tell you something in this new season? We will not fulfill the mandate on this church until you know personally that God can raise the dead. Do you believe God can raise your situation that looks hopeless? No, I'm asking, do you really believe it? You got to believe it. You got to hear the voice of the Lord as we sang today that says, Live, live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Live, live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. But Lord, only you know. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, I am looking for a witness. Will you be a witness that will just believe that I am the great I am? That I am powerful and I am mighty and I can turn the most hopeless situation around. Ezekiel 37, let's pick it up in verse 4. And he said to me, prophesy, 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 prophesy. This church must begin to prophesy and speak to those things that are not as if they were. We need to release the word of the Lord in this house. You need to release the, the word of the Lord in your house. You need to start declaring what you are desiring, what the Lord has said to you. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live and I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know, then you shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know. Well, I'll believe it when I start seeing it. If you can't see it, you'll never have it. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a, a rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them. But there was no breath in them. How many people are in the church right now? Maybe some of you this morning, and again, I'm not pointing you out. I'm just saying, maybe there are people that look like they have it all together. They look like they're happy. They look like they got everything. But inside, they're just as dead as these, these bodies that were put together, but there was no breath in them. So again, God said to Ezekiel, he said to me, prophesy the breath. <laughs> prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. On New Year's Eve, as we were here, before we ended, the Lord placed on my heart that we'd go to every four corner of this building, this sanctuary, 
representing the four winds of this city, this region, greater Rochester. This is our territory, you understand. It's all about regaining territory. It's not only is it the great harvest this year, but you're going to see by that declaration, which we're going to say before we leave here today, the declaration for 2022, is not only are we believing for the harvest, and we're not going to back down like we did last year, but we're also going to take back territory that the enemy has illegally obtained. And we went to the four corners. We blew the shofar. We anointed it with oil. And we began to prophesy and speak life to the people that live north of here, the people that live south of here, east and west. We must start prophesying. We must call in the harvest. Amen. God raised up the nation of Israel. On May 14th, 1948, under the leadership of David Ben-Gurion. You see, many people thought after the Nazis had killed six million Jews, they thought, will Israel ever live again? Will Israel ever live again? Our illustrious governor of this state, Governor Walls, said at the height of the pandemic when the church was forced to close its doors, he made the comment, and I'll never forget it, he said the church isn't essential. <laughs> the church isn't essential. Why should we open the doors? The church is insignificant. Doesn't do anything. Who cares? I wonder what that governor is going to say if he's still governor after this fall, which I pray he isn't. What is he going to say? When those who come to River of Glory because they hear of the healing and deliverance ministry that's red hot in this house. Where the fire of God is in this house. What is he going to say? What is he going to say when people come back to him and they go to Governor Walls? <laughs> but you have to see the things that I've seen and heard. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Come on, somebody. Church isn't essential. Are you going to trust our government to take care of you? If anything's not essential, it's our government. Oh, I know I'm preaching good now, but no one's shouting, so whatever. They probably already took me off of Facebook already, so it doesn't matter. But Jesus said, now learn this parable from the fig tree. He said, learn it. Just don't let it pass by. Learn this now. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. God is saying, when you see my people come back to their land, when you start seeing their deserts bloom, and you realize Israel is such a prosperous nation right now, they produce all the produce for the Middle East. It all comes out of Israel, that little place that's about the size of Rhode Island. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 33 and 34. So you also, when you see all these things, know it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation by, will by no means pass away till all these things take place. What generation is Jesus talking about? The generation that witnesses the gospel being brought into the, all the world for a sign and a witness. 
Come on, you guys. With satellite TV, Christian TV going, listen, the gospel's been going to all four corners of the world. What generation? The generation that witnesses God bringing back the nation of Israel. I shared this with you before. Generation, what's a generation? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80. So if you're older than 80 right now, and it's Marlene's birthday today, we're going to sing a happy birthday to her, then guess what? You're really living for Jesus. And listen, you guys that are older, you are so valuable in the kingdom. We need your wisdom. We need your prayer support. We need your encouragement. Amen. But when did Israel become a nation? 1948. Let's do a little math here. You had 70 years under that. That's 2018. You had another 10 years under that. By reason of strength, that's 2028. Hey, somebody, is the word true? Is what Jesus says, is it true? Could Jesus be coming back sometime? I mean, we're in 2022 right now. 2028 is only six more years. I don't know. Something to think about, right? He's looking for a witness. Jesus is coming back to the earth with his mighty army, according to Revelation 19. You and I will see this event take place. And the Lord is saying, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking for somebody that I can show myself mighty through. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Don't you turn a deaf ear to me this morning. I said Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a prepared people that are preparing others for his son's soon return. Hmm. The thing of it is, there's some people in the body of Christ that don't believe he's coming back. There are those that don't believe in the rapture. There are those that say, oh, yeah, we've heard this message so many times. He's not coming back. No, no, no. When I see things really start to happen, then I'll get serious with God. How much more do you need to see before you're convinced that Jesus is coming back? Come on, beloved. He's coming back. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. But Lord, we healed in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all these wonderful things in your name. And Jesus looks at them with, I'm sure, great sadness in his eyes, but saying, but you worker of iniquity, you worker of lawlessness, you worker of rebellion, I never knew you. Depart from me. Church, we can get involved just doing ministry for the sake of doing ministry and just going through canned phrases and things like that. And just, oh, the Lord said this, the Lord did that. And the Lord said, you don't even know the voice of the Lord anymore. You're so into yourself, you don't even realize it. What a sad day that's going to be when you don't make the rapture. What a sad day it's going to be when your destination is hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, because that's what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, you unprofitable servant. I could read the, the parable of the 
the talents, if you like. He's looking for a witness. He's not looking for someone that's just going to be like they have in the Republican Party, Rhino, Republican in name only. He's not, what would they be? Christian in name only. Sin no? I don't know. He's not looking for Christian in name only. He's looking for somebody that has a relationship with him. They're looking, he's looking for someone that knows him. How can you know the Lord if you never spend time with him in prayer? How can you know the Lord if you do not spend time in your Bible? You say, I don't have time. Let me challenge you. How many hours a week do you watch TV or on your, are you on your phone? It got real quiet, didn't it? If you got time to do that, you have, you have time to spend with the Lord. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. It could be in the next six years. Do you realize that? And I'm not setting dates because no man knows the time or the hour. Only the Lord knows. Jesus doesn't even know. Only the Father knows. But I'm here to tell you, he is, oh, I feel a witness. He honors his word. He wouldn't have put that scripture in Psalm if he didn't mean it. He said, learn this parable. Keep your eyes on Israel. I want you to take these 14 days of breakthrough seriously. They may be our last 14 days of breakthrough because Jesus could be coming this year. If you can come, come. Come to prayer. And you know what we're doing too? What we did yesterday? I said no music. Sometimes I think when we have music playing when we pray, all of a sudden, what, what is our purpose? It becomes worship service. We get caught up just worshiping with the songs, and then we don't, we're not praying. And I said, okay, you get 15 minutes to get right with the Lord. Get in the right spirit, and then 15 minutes later, we're coming together. I want you all in the front, and we prayed together because we need the supply of each other. God has a great destiny for this body. Think about it. We got the sick, the infirmed that come here from all over the world. How many people come to the Mayo Clinic in a given year? It's thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands that come here. How many come with a, with a good prognosis? How many leave with a good prognosis? I'm not bashing the Mayo Clinic. At least they're fighting that sickness the way they know how. But I'm here to tell you, if we don't have a current relationship with Jesus, if we are not tight with him and get to know him, you see that whole scripture in Matthew, he says, you workers of lawlessness. They did all those things. They cast out demons. They laid hands on the sick. People recovered. But yet they were still working from a place of rebellion because that's what lawlessness means. You can have a rebellious spirit and still operate in the gifts of God because God's word always works. I'm looking for our children to just be so full of faith that they just are the ones that lay hands on the sick and they, they recover and cast out demons and everything else. Why can't they? 
See, you don't have to go to Bible school to be used of God. You just have to be available and committed to him. Available and committed. Available and committed. Available and committed. Available and committed. You have to be in union with him. That means you have to die. That means if you have to give up a meal or two during these 14 days, oh well. And don't do it as a diet thing either. (laughs) Do it because you want to get close to God. Are you saying give? Are you saying stop, Pastor, give? I give, I give, I get it. Do you get it this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Willie, get on that keyboard, would you? Just play something. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost with me if you have a prayer language. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Father God, we hear. We hear your voice. We hear you asking, do I have a witness? Lift your hands towards heaven with me. Look up towards heaven with me. And say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Use me. Send me. I will invest into your kingdom. That which you have given me. I will not hide it. I will not dig it in the ground. I'm not embarrassed by you, Lord. I will speak forth and I will demonstrate your love to those that I see. Without hesitation, I'm instant in season and out of season, I'm available. And I'm committed for you. Let me just declare the declaration as we close here today. I release the call of heaven for souls of men, women, boys, and girls to wake up and receive the gospel message of Jesus Christ into their hearts and then with their mouths confess him as Lord. I say this divine redemptive call shall permeate my entire being continually, causing me to be alert and looking up for I'm ready to testify and demonstrate the kingdom of God whenever the opportunity arises. I release the mandate of heaven's harvest now over my family 
and I declare that all the members of my household shall hear it and they will respond favorably to that sound. I prophesy that God's harvest of every good thing concerning me is coming to pass, affecting my physical health. And the power of God has come to release healing. It's come to release life and wholeness in every area of my life. I say it's harvest time now. There is no more delay. Every word of prophecy and every seed of promise in Christ Jesus has come to full maturity. And nothing I own can be stolen or destroyed by the enemy. Angels are surrounding my dwelling. I say it's harvest time over my work and occupation. All that I do shall prosper and come into blessing. My finances are supernaturally and abundantly blessed. Again, I say it's harvest time over all that concerns me. The glory of God is upon me, and it's moving me into realms of the Spirit to receive the fullness of this harvest. There shall be a divine reversal on any negative thing that has come my way. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I overcome all the works of the evil one. I cannot be cursed, for the greater one dwells within me. It's harvest time, and I'm taking back territory that is rightfully ours for the glory of the Lord and expansion of his kingdom. I claim the greater Rochester, Minnesota area for Jesus Christ, and I declare a spiritual awakening upon every soul that either lives or visits this area. May they never be the same as they have an encounter with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I bless each one here. And we dedicate these 14 days of prayer and fasting to you. Open our hearts and let us hear your voice so clearly, God. I bind every bit of confusion. I thank you that as we fast, the flesh dies, and there's no envy, there's no strife, there's just an abiding of peace in you, Prince of Peace. I thank you and I praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. See you at six o'clock. Oh.